Hello, Internet. You're listening to the In Your House Comedy Podcast with KD and Kirsty. Now hold on to your butts. Keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. Prepare to have an autographical orgasm in three, two, 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 one. Hello all you sexy people and welcome to the KD and Curzy podcast where we talk about all things weird and or interesting. This is the big 1-0 episode 10. As always, I am your resident stand-up comedian and all-around creative juggernaut KD Hinken. And making his return to the podcast at a weight of I do not actually know and a height of seven foot when you include the quiff. <laughs> the undeniable undisputed musical maestro of the KD and Cozy podcast world, the phenomenally passable AJ Kersey. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great introduction this week. I think that's hot any introduction you've given me. So, yeah, thank I you. Feel the, I could feel the energy coming out of me when I was like, doing it. I felt it. I come felt on, it. I love it. I love it. More, more, more of the same, please. How have you been? I wasn't here last week. Been very good, man. Yeah, we had Nathan on last week, as uh, as you know, as we were talking about just. Had a, yeah, it was good. Chatted a lot of random shit, to be fair. Had to cut a lot of shit out, too, to be fair, because we chatted too much random shit. Was, were you, like, into three hours long? And you're oh, like, no, not that long. Oh, no. uh, okay, fair, fair. No one can deal with this for three hours. Come on. True. <laughs> uh, so what have you been doing then, man? Tell everyone about your holidays and whatnot. Took my first trip to, to North Wales. Uh, only passed my driving test in January, Carl. Oh, well done. Uh, yeah, first first trip with with fiancé. So we took a trip to, to, to Wales. It was supposed to be our wedding, actually, within that week. So... Oh, yeah. We've moved it to next year, so we decided we're going to go away. I think I remember you saying that before, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, turn, turn out is, quite nice. Really nice, really nice break, man. So just what I needed. Yeah. I think that's smart as well, the way you did it, like waiting for the stuff so you can do it properly and all that. Yeah. Just smart, man, yeah. Definitely. That's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm smart, what can I say? I can't help <laughs> it. Just too damn bright for y'all. <laughs> But yeah, man, last week's in general was good. I mean, uh, what did we cover? We did the uh, Tic Tac UFO. Um, right. which is crazy in my opinion, all that stuff. Like yeah. the fact that it's been declassified, it's you know, just did you hear the quote in that at the end of it? I think no, but I, I know you've, we've mentioned tic tac videos before in previous yeah. episodes, and I know you love UF so stuff, so it's something I've, I've read all about you know previously, anyway. Yeah, UFO stuff, stuff. You, like honestly, like the past year or so, it's only been like the past year that I've really got a lot more interested in it just because of all the evidence that's coming out now. I like it when yep. you can see the evidence, get the facts, you know, a bit of acknowledgement and mm. it's just dripping out more and more now. So yeah, it's just quite interesting at the moment because you, you, yeah. you don't, you're not as crazy when <laughs> you say to people now. <laughs> well, it, there's well, no proof, proof now, isn't there? And yeah. yeah. To try and say that people are crazy for believing stuff like that. The proof's there. Oh, did you hear something I was going to mention to you about mm. this, actually? And yep. I don't know if you... I can't remember exactly when it happened, so I don't... How much have you keep, been keeping up with the news while you was away? Not a lot. I, I, I barely I barely do anyway. What's it, what's it what, regarding? That's, that's what most people do to stay sane, so, you know. Yeah. There was a weird murder over the last week or so. Mm. Um, a policeman got killed. You heard about this at all in the police station? No, no. 
Okay. Uh, I haven't got the full details or anything like that. I just remember watching it a few times on the news. Yeah. Um, basically, what they, it came out originally, they said that um, an, a guy was taken into custody, taken into the um, building, arrested, taken into the station. Um, while something was being prepared for a COVID test screening, yeah. um, he got a hand grenade, shot this policeman five times, and then shot himself in the head. Whoa. And it was just like a random, no explanation for it, or just. Well, this is the thing. The first couple of days, they were saying the news was saying the same thing I was saying. I'm sure everyone was saying, "How, how the hell, after being arrested, taken mm. into a police station, hang? Oh, sorry, he was handcuffed as well. I forgot to mention that part. Handcuffed. handcuffed. How did he? How did he then find a gun that he had on him? It wasn't anyone else's gun. He had his gun. This was here in England. Um and shot the guy and then shot himself not the amount of time it takes to do it where was the gun yeah they would have done a search on him exactly That's so weird. so That's it weird. seems so because after a couple of days of that the news would make a point of that like you know we don't yeah. understand what happened then suddenly they were talking about it and i told my mom was like they're not going to mention this i don't know they're just going to suddenly stop mentioning that part and they just stopped mentioning that part went on to some memorial some nice thing the police were doing it's like hold on Someone didn't do their job. No, they didn't. They didn't. But I don't. Why would he? Why would he shoot someone and then shoot himself? Why well, people do that all the time? They shoot a police. Why not? Weird. Yeah. That's not the weirdest oh. part of it because you hear about that oh. shit happening anyway. You, you do. But I just, I just don't get how, like you say, like he, if he was handcuffed and then. Where's he got this gun from? How how has he got the exactly. to move his hands in a certain area? I assume he must have been handcuffed in front. Yeah, first, I, uh, surely. Mm. And if they searched him, the only he... place that gun could have been, if they yeah. actually searched him properly, was in his anus. Or, his, and... or in his groin area. Or in his what? Round by his penis. In his penis. Well, I don't know. It could have been, but it could have been his right? penis. Well, you'd think they would search that. Well, but if it was up his anus, how how would he? If his hands are handcuffed in front of him, how would he get to his bum bum? Exactly. He's, That's not easy to do. He's, he's turned very, as well. Yeah, he must have been very talented, like getting under there. And it, I hope it's something like that, some kind of David Blaine <laughs> killer guy. Oh, he's like handcuffed here, like this, and then he just yeah. double jointed. Bang. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's. I think the thing that just gets me most about it now is the news. It just changed. You could see the day it just changed. Yeah. And they just haven't talked about it since, haven't mentioned it since. Like, yeah. I'd love to know the details of that. Do you know where about in the UK this was? Um, I did. Don't know. It was in England. Okay. It was uh, in England. Yeah. I feel like London or somewhere around there, but I might yeah. just be thinking of that because of my story takes place in london so okay nice little segue mm. do, you want, do you want to go first that is a nice little segue but i think considering you've been away i think it's only fair that you go first this time my man me and sir. the, me the sir. viewers had to see me go first last week too. uh okay fair, fair enough fair enough this one is um you know how we love to speak about murder and disappearances um this one is um, i'll just read out the title too it's what i found on reddit um this week actually so um we, in August 1965, a 49-year-old 
uh, Edward Banish was found stabbed to death in his South Bend, Indiana home. Eight days later, Edward's son, Scott, who'd been presumed dead for nearly three months, became the main suspect in his father's death. So uh, we'll go into where Scott, the son, had been missing. Uh, well, reported missing. So it was on June the 3rd, 1965. Um, he was 18 years old. Um, he was reported missing by his parents around 9 a.m. Scott, Scott Banish, told his parents, Edward and Loretta Banish, that he was heading to Lake Michigan to go swimming with a group of friends at Warren Dunes State Park. When Scott didn't arrive back uh, that evening, his parents were quite concerned, obviously, uh, went in search for him. Upon arriving at that lake, Lake Michigan, hmm. Scott's parents found his car parked in the parking lot, his wallet and clothing inside. When they walked down to the beach, they found their son, Scott's towel and blanket, but no sign of Scott. How old was he, sorry, at this point? Uh, he was 18 at this point. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is in 1965. So, yeah, no sign of him, went down to the beach, not there. Where the hell is he? Okay. So, and this uh, is that the thing with the dad? No. So, oh. this, 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 oh. is where it, this is where it first starts. Okay, got you, got you. So, uh, police questioned the group of uh, a group of Scott's friends that were supposed to go to lake with him that day, yeah, and learned that they decided not to go because the lake was going to be too cold. So it looks like Scott went on his own. Bit weird, and, but okay. I've mastered uh, day two, so yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so, a, I've always been a master day two. I go to the cinema on my own. Just on your one. I've been to the cinema and gigs on my own, so yeah. Yeah, I love it. I'd prefer it. And I love people, but it's like, shut up. I'm trying to watch a film. You know. I think that's the one thing with cinema and like gigs is like, I, I get it like it's great game with friends, but yeah. sometimes you're not really speaking to that person, are you? You're trying to watch, yeah, the, yeah. Film, watch the band. So I kind of see it from that side if you want to go to yeah. cinema or. It's how you take it. Like, I think you're like me. You take like it more like, I don't want to say it's somebody snoopy, like art. You, you're there to whip, like take in the whole thing yeah. and not, not be distracted. Yeah, not as an excuse yeah. to jump in a big pile of people you yeah. know, that are hitting each other and missing the music. Oh, God. Mosh pits. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> we're back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some dreadful uh, mosh pit stories. I can tell you another time. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can tell me them now. I can cut this out and use it as a clip. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Uh, when, when you're facing up to like a, a seven foot dude and just like keep standing on his toes because he's like punched you in the chest so much and then he falls to the floor and you're like five or six foot six and you're just like I win, I, I bloody win. <laughs> so, and mosh is supposed to be nice. Like, the few times I've been in mosh pits, so when you fall down, they pick you up and stuff. That's nice. Like up up was a really nice mosh pit. I've never been to a gig like that. Normally, it's people stepping on your toes and your face. Really? Yeah. Oh, every yeah. time I've done it, it's been like a community kind of feel where they pick you up. Like, that's the thing. You fall down and you get picked up straight away. So you, you can't must hurt be, yourself. You must have been going to those posh mosh pits, as I call them. Well, it was up for, to be fair. <laughs> and uh, To be fair, most places I've seen them like that. And then I get annoyed when other people aren't like that. So maybe it's me that's not doing yeah. normal. Yeah. Okay. I expect too much of people, Aaron. That's <laughs> yes, all. you do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> guess what? The police didn't expect too much in this case. Oh, shit. They did a search. Uh, and determined that Scott had actually drowned and was declared dead. That was it. Case, case closed. See you later. Oh. Oh. Great segue, by the way, just so you know. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm taking your lead with this. We're both getting there, man. We're, we're <laughs> edging over. Go ahead, then. So, what, um, so they just... 
They just, just didn't do anything. They just assumed he's dead. Yeah. So they did okay. a search, a full search of the lake. Um, and that was it. Didn't do any further investigation. So, I mean, that's pretty shoddy police work right there. So, see, see, you, see you, Scott. Another thing that links our stories again. Carry on. Yeah. So, um, over two months later, on August 22nd, this is still in 1965, Edward and Loretta were facing a family card night. That sounds like a swinger night. Could be. <laughs> a, a tradition in the Banish home. Could be anything. Um, Edward Loretta, their 13 year old daughter, may, maybe it's not a swingers party. And a few, oh, God, I hope not now. <laughs> and a few oh, of the friends and family members were playing cards in the basement game room of, the ho- uh, of their home when Edward decided he was tired and wanted to go lay down upstairs. So Edward's to dad. Yeah. A short time after, oh. Edward went upstairs and loud, loud thuds caught the attention of his wife, Loretta, and she went upstairs to investigate. So, Loretta found Edward standing in the living room near the open front door of their home and he was covered in blood. Uh, Before he could speak, Edward fell to the ground, succumbing to seven deep stab wounds that had been inflicted upon him. And Edward's wallet and a lit flashlight were found next to his body. So, I don't know why there was a flashlight next to him. Was it dark? Maybe it's dark, or it was the first thing he picked up to try and uh, hit his attacker with. I'm I'm not sure, but all the attackers had all it was the attackers could have been the attackers' flashlight. But it yeah, says but it says Edward was and a lit flashlight, so it doesn't state if it was there. So there you go. Um, yeah. It was determined that Edward, um, who'd been a it was actually a, a military man uh, in his years, uh, was attacked by an unknown intruder who had gained access to the house via a small window on the first floor of their home. Police originally theorised that he may have surprised a uh, would-be burglar, and he sadly died. Good old, uh, good old Edward. But on the 31st of August, uh, Loretta Banish received a call from the sheriff. What was her last name? Banish or Banish, B-A-N-I-S-H. Oh, I thought you said Vanish then for a second, and that would have been great. Their last name was Vanish, considering what's going on at the moment. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love it. Um, but no, it's banished, unfortunately. Uh, she received a call from the sheriff telling her that she needed to come to the police station right away. Uh, when she got, she was shocked to learn that her son, Scott, was very much alive and had been arrested in nearby Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. So, interesting. Where's he gone? Um, Shows Scott... how little work they must have done then to look well, into it. You know, the thing is, all they did was check the, the the lake. They didn't check any surrounding areas or yeah. any other places he may have gone. Just the lake, and that was it. See you and later. the communication between different states or whatever is terrible mm-hmm. back then. Even different counties, yeah. whatever it is, you know. Yeah, different just counties within states. So, yeah, even different counties were terrible back then. Yeah, definitely. And That's one thing 60s. you learn. 60s as well, isn't it? That's start. what I mean, yeah, back then, yeah. Yeah. But Scott actually admitting, uh, admitted to staging his drowning and had been arrested after he submitted a false ID to an army recruitment officer. So so he was faking his death yep. to join the army? To join the army, but it, it turns out he just used a different name to join the army, just run away, join the army. Did, did but he have we'll, some messed up like um, stuff on his record or something then, why he had to change his name? We'll come, we'll come to it. Okay. 
we'll come to why. He, uh, there's a reason, if I remember rightly, there's okay, a reason yeah. why he can't join. He couldn't join the army under his name. Okay. Um, so when he tried to join the army with his false ID, the recruiter, the army recruiter, recognised Scott from from the newspaper after the put out to say, you know, disappeared boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's dead. Um, they, Have they any information him. on this person? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They detained him and immediately called South Bend's police department to in, inform them of their findings of Scott. <laughs> Um, Scott told police that his reason behind faking his death had been quite simple, really. He dreamed of following in his father's footsteps and joining the army himself. However, when he attempted to enlist, a medical issue kept him from being approved. I don't think it states what medical issue, but you yeah. are technically right. He's got something, something fucked up on his application. So Yeah, yeah. That's a weird one, a medical issue. because Oh, then again, I suppose, especially back then, if it's already think, on his doctor's records, it would show yeah. up. But if it, he could just keep quiet about it. Wrestlers do it all the time, don't they? Back in the day, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. for instance, I've got asthma, so um, I, I'm not sure now, but maybe years ago, if they were like, if you've got something wrong with your lungs, yeah. you are not allowed to join the army. So it might have been the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm not allowed to join the army because I've got tattoos on my hand. Is that right? Yeah, generally I tried <laughs> at one point. I didn't, I I didn't know that. I did not. Uh, I use it, it in my. I use it in my set. So I, I say mm. that it's um. Can't remember exactly what it was. I, obviously, I haven't used my set for so long. Um, yeah. Something about um, it's okay to go and have your arm blown off um, fighting for your country, but if that arm happens to be covered in tattoos, and no, we're not good. You're not good enough for us. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's true, though. It is very true. I do like that. I used to want to be a fireman as well when I thought I couldn't do it because of um, how shit my eyesight is wearing contacts, but you can. Strange oh, okay. now. They changed yeah. it, yeah. They probably changed hand tattoos as well. I'm sure there's got to be enlisters with hand tattoos now, right? Well, is... it's one of those things you always see people after they leave the army. They get those tattoos, don't they? Yeah, after the army, I suppose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's one of them. And I've got a tattoo on my ear here because it goes against the name. Of the the image of the arm, which is ridiculous, yeah. I think. But it's it's different now, anyway, right? It's not as bad as. Well, it this could... wasn't that long ago. Oh, was it not? No, this was like I don't know, like three years ago, something like that. Four years ago, yeah. it will change though because tattoos and all that kind of culture is looked at more now. If like as um, it's like you know, like when someone said you can't do something because of this or this, it's like another form of that. You know. Yeah. Would you? you, know what I mean? you could have used makeup. On your uh, tattoos and covered them up for, like, the whole time. Fuck that. The blood will cover it up. But just like Scott, you couldn't cover it up, could you? You could not cover anything like that. I just could not cover it. He did a better job than me. Uh, he put a lot of effort in. Almost, because, I mean, he faked his death, but when he tried to do it, we were like, no. Go you, you, if you can, you, you could have done all that without faking your death. You didn't have to fake your death I, to do that. No, just, just change your name and go to a different army. Like, well, yeah, or just I, tell your family you're going to live somewhere for a bit or going on yeah. holiday for a year or something. So they're not searching for you, thinking you're dead. It's true. There's no, it would have been no, worth it so much better. There's no like real reason that you should fake your own death just to join the army if you've got a med medical issue. No. It makes no like, sense. Do, do what you have to do if that's what you want to do. Do what you have to do, you know, but you don't need to do something that's going to bring the attention of the police and make it a lot harder for you. But it will just, um, it just killed his dreams, I guess. And um, I mean, his I mean dad's, yeah, he can still do it. I know. He can still do yeah. it. 
Just don't yeah. just leave out the faking death part and getting the police involved. Just I go agree. on holiday. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> no, but with, Stupid with people annoying me. Screen and also, his as I say, his father had been killed, and he actually had no idea that his father had been killed. Mm. So imagine coming back after that bit and being like, your father's dead and you fake your own. Oh. <laughs> what so, a week. Oh. I know. It's dreadful. What a mm. week I've had, honey. I've I don't, had I don't believe this, Mr. Man. <laughs> so, I don't believe Mr. Scott. He told investigators for the last two months he'd actually um, been employed on a tuna fishing vessel out of Oregon. Uh, he said he used a fake name, Daniel McFarland, but he had to pay he had paycheck stubs in the name to prove it. Scott provided the stubs, but police were suspicious of his story. Yeah. Um, Scott gave the police the name of the fishing vessel as well as the name that he was using, as well as the name of the captain. Uh, the captain's wife and the boat's crew. Okay, so with the captain's one. wife there as well. That's weird for a boatsman. I know, yeah. That's a bad look. Uh, maybe they were having a good week and you just wanted to, to, to join. Maybe it was one of those um, bring your wife to work days. <laughs> maybe he was just a smart human being and didn't believe in, um, what's that word? Uh, um, Sex sexism? Well, that too, that too. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, like when... Like sports people are like, like they're very, um, they think about certain things they do because they think it's going to give them bad luck. It begins with an S. Um, superstitious. Superstitious. That's my, my man. There hey, you go. Hey, yeah. There you are. That's why you're the quiff. That's it. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, so the police actually contacted the captain of that boat and he confirmed, he confirmed that the boy meeting the description of Scott. And using the false name of Daniel McFarland had been, in fact, an employee for him for the last two months. Oh, so he was there, yeah. Yeah, matches up. He told investigators Scott worked as a deckhand, and on the night of Edward's murder, <laughs> murder, so his father's murder, deckhand, yeah, <laughs> like a penis. So, on the night of his dad's murder, he'd been nearly hundred miles off the coast. So there's no way he could have. He's got. He's got an alibi. Basically. Okay. They're, they're trying to look it says like Scott being the murderer. So and I don't see how because he was on a, a tuna boat, basically. So Scott was initially re released after the phone call with the captain, but the local sheriff, William Lux, uh, wasn't completely convinced of his innocence. And the following day brought Scott back into the station for questioning. He actually interrogated him for 12 hours and convincing him that he had enough evidence to pin his dad's murder on Scott including finding human blood on Scott's pants, trousers. Uh, that was the same general type as his father. And that's Oh, Scott. God, yeah. This is back when they only had the blood yeah. type, which is stupid. Don't it, – yeah. it's, it's so – it's such a huge margin. It's pointless to even, you know, like bring it up in court. It's, it's – I mean, it's not as good as it is now, but, you know. He's probably got the had. same blood as his dad. That's very true. It could have been his blood. He could have cut his – Yeah. could have cut his thumb, uh, exactly. his leg. You want a boat? Exactly. So this is where it's just like, why? You see, I, I feel like I know where this is going now, though. Yep. Well, he'd apparently said that Scott failed a lie detector test and been issued, oh. issued, been issued miserably, and Scott then confessed to killing his dad. So they brought out a false That's what I felt. Yep, yeah, a yeah. false confession. He was arrested. All the terrible stuff, like the lie detector stuff. I, I hate the fact that I it, rubbish. It, they still use that in America, like when they when they're talking about someone 
not agreeing to help out the police. They say they didn't agree to a lie detector test yeah. as if it's a bad thing. Like, no. Yeah. But if you're yeah. an anxious person, for example, exactly. it'd be ridiculous because it would pop up just because you're nervous. I'd be, I'd be so nervous on a lie detector. I wouldn't be able to pass it at all. I, I, I'd, I'd be, as soon as you're aware as well, you know, that um, if you're thinking about this and you're getting nervous for a second, that will make it happen. As soon as you're aware of that, you'll do it just for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, obviously, me, man. Sorry. Can, no, it's fine. You can see where it's going because after he, yeah. after he was arrested, he recanted his story, uh, claiming he'd been pressured and threatened by Sheriff Locks into believing he would spend the rest of his life in jail. There you go. Way too many. There's a whole doc um, series. Uh, I think there's two seasons of it now on Netflix called um, Confession Tapes, something like that. I love that show. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, really makes that. you so angry, doesn't it, though, when you're yeah. watching it? So really frustrating. Um, a couple Ooh. of them, were, a couple of them was a bit dubious, uh, but a lot of them, I was like, "This is wrong. This is so yeah. wrong." But it, it just goes to show the justice system in the United States is completely different to us. But I mean, yeah, as I much better. It's not much better, but just Especially back to, then, anyway. You know, this yeah. is the sixties. You said any as well, yeah. and this still happens. It just still happens. This is sixty-five. But the thing is, as soon as the jury hears confession whatever happens after that it's so hard to change their mind mm, definitely well this is the other thing as well well when he said um you'd spend the rest of your life in jail the, the word he used was innocent or not oh fucking hell so, cheers cheers sheriff according and according wow. to scott the, sh the sheriff had offered him a deal confess and get probation for involuntary manslaughter go to trial uh, be convicted of mur murder and serve a lifetime sentence uh, and and then Scott out of fear just confessed. Yeah. So, course, yeah. yeah. Um, the I'm guessing all of that, what you said, building up to it, and what he said beforehand, wasn't included in the in the court or any of the evidence. It was just a recording of him saying, "I did it." Yeah, that's basically. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always the way, even in the sixties. Yeah. So the um, the boat captain uh, that Scott worked for claims, as well as several other crew, they all claim this. Um, they testified that on the night that Edward was murdered, Scott had been in aboard the ship and that he'd been there every night for two months. Um, the captain's wife also testified that she'd seen Scott board her husband's boat and that they hadn't returned to Oregon until the evening of the 24th. Yep. So it was the 22nd that Edward died and they didn't return yeah. back. They didn't turn back to land until 24th. So he's, he's out on that boat. So, yeah, I mean, whether or not he... It should be the case, anyway, whether or not he says he did it. Obviously, he did, unless it's a fucking ghost or... Well, yeah. He's some kind of superhero. He's got, like, a port, like a portal device that yeah. shoots, shoots his gun. I know that reference. Dad, dad. Back <laughs> on the boat. <laughs> um, I was thinking more like Jumper, but that works. Too, jumper obviously. jumper works as well, yeah. Or like Nightcrawler. Night, yeah, Nightcrawler. Yeah, some good references there. Um, I think there was more yeah. reference... There's more witnesses that step forward, um, claiming that they had also seen Scott on both of the nights of Edward's murder and then the morning after. So he, people seen him. Yeah, uh, he wasn't there, but he was he was on a fucking boat. Yeah. I'm on a boat, mother. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be bringing no dead he bitch to my flow crib. <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> Good stuff. That's amazing. They said that they'd uh they said that he had Responded to assist in helping to repair a maintenance issue on the fishing boat that night. 
they provide a log of the maintenance that indeed matched the date of Edward's death. So he worked um, just doing maintenance on the boat and had a log of it, yeah. like who was who was performing that maintenance. So then, yeah. And then after an eight day long hearing, including hearing the witness testimonies, Scott was released, which is great news. Oh, he got released. Yep. So I was just whacking my charger in. You're right. I yeah, thought no, you. Were, I thought you were fighting spiders or something. Then <laughs> it feels like it. It's really so, a mess. To be fair, it looks. I, I like the layout. It's always. Uh, that is the only bit. Believe me, that's tidy, and you can't even see the box at the bottom. No, I can't. I'm this. <laughs> I can just see so. Batman and a base. And is that you in that photo? Yeah, that, that's me. As um, as you that's remember me, Mini Bates. Yeah. Have you Mini that's so weird. What year was that? Seven. Uh, yeah, that was your seven back when I had yeah. that next. Uh, where are we? So yeah, after eight days, um, eight, eight days of a hearing, including hearing the witness testimony, Scott was released, as we mentioned. The that case, take the case, taken to a grand jury. However, they could not find any evidence supporting that Scott had killed his father. So they they and chose not to proceed any further. Mm. Um, he Scott tried to sue the sheriff as well as six of his deputies for $2 million, but he was unsuccessful, unfortunately, claiming okay. false arrest, false imprisonment, and malicious prosecution. I but mean, the- you could, I'm surprised you couldn't argue that, just considering how much evidence he had on the contrary. Yeah, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Like the amount yeah. of evidence and people coming forward. He had, he had, I don't know, four, at least four alibis of people saying yeah, he was on yeah. the boat doing maintenance. No. Do the original there. arrest and all that, just because it's a bit suspicious. Yeah, he killed himself too, so fair enough. Check him out properly, but obviously it wasn't him. Well, this is it. Like the one thing I don't get. Okay, his dad's dead, um, and what what cause and motive would this be for Scott to bugger off and then come back and kill his dad? There's there's n- no motive yeah. unless it was like for financial gain or something like that, but. Which doesn't make sense either, no. or because you know there was stuff before we know though we don't you don't know what he it's could true. have been like. He could have been an abusive dad. Could have been an abusive dad. Closed doors. Yeah, and he could come have, back for revenge. So we don't know. He, he could have thought in his head, "Oh, I can't. You know what? I'm not going to be able to do the thing I want to do to follow in my dad's footsteps." But that won't be an issue if my dad's not here. <laughs> Master plan. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's yeah, very true. I didn't think about that. But yeah, we. I think, as I say, he tried to tried to sue them. A, a circuit court of appeals panel found probable cause for the arrest. So this is why he didn't win, because of oh, the, yeah. because of the blood that they found on Scott's jeans, which we were like, well, that could have been Scott's blood. Fucking ridiculous, ain't it? So, yep, awarded no money, <laughs> nothing from this. He's poor dad's dead, and he got blamed for it initially, and. You know, where does he go from there? And all this um, time they're putting to him is just ignore the actual killer. Yep. They like and th- and this is the this is the thing. They didn't put any any further investigation into um Scott Banish or Banish, however you pronounce it, his death. Mm. Um sorry, Edward Banish's death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we don't know. Because as far but, as they were concerned, they had the right guy. He just didn't exactly. get a down for it. Like, well, he didn't have the right guy. But, okay. but this goes back to those, you know, false confessions. They, they get these people to confess. That person goes away. Um, there's a killer yeah. out there for 25 years plus. Um, hasn't Probably hasn't committed any murders in that time. Or may have done. Well, know. Yeah, very easily could have done. But he's still getting away with it. And this is the same um, situation here. Have you ever heard of, um, it's another documentary on um, Netflix, which 
I might do. I don't know. Uh, it's called the Conf the Confession Killer, and it kind of turns this on its head, and it's a guy who did kill some people, but yeah. confessing to like every crime. And I, think getting, I, like, I think I remember. I think I remember easily well because of it. Yeah, I do remember that one. It's not I vaguely remember it. Um, yeah. I watched I watched so many of those ones on Netflix now. It's crazy, yeah. like the amount of ones they pump out. But yeah, um, with, with with Scott and his family, uh, I suppose they they had enough, and they eventually moved to Illinois. So packed up and left, moved to Illinois. Um, nothing was really heard from. The case remained unsolved, um, and Scott um, actually died eventually. Well, eventually, because you know, uh, in two thousand and fifteen. And his his obituary in the decalb Illinois newspaper stated that he worked at Northern Illinois University as an electrical foreman for over twenty years and was a decalb public library board member. So it seems like he had a, a decent job. Yeah, he seemed well to live a decent life, but so he went back to his normal life, did he? In the end, then eventually, yeah, I suppose yeah. Um, after not you know receiving, um, but you go to jail being arrested. As him as well. He's yeah. already kind of out the bag by then, you know. Yeah, N not receiving any settlement for your, your false imprisonment yeah. uh, while awaiting your trial. Your dad's dead. No one's gone into looking to his further. Seems, seems, like he, seems like he moved. It's a great idea. He moved from that town to, to live with his family in a different town um, and just live out his days as um, an electrician, basically. So. Yeah. I understand the concept of making mistakes in the police investigation. Of course, you'd be crazy not to understand that. Yeah. Uh, and doing the wrong guy, ignoring the confession stuff, because the guy might have generally thought he was doing the right thing. You never know. But yeah. either way, in the end, it was obvious it wasn't him. And don't just give up then. Well, no, that's you know, the, that's the point. Looking, what's wrong with you? Exactly. It's not Scott. Uh, yeah. Edward, Edward's dead. We're going to find Edward's killer now. And they never did. Yeah, we cared before, but now because it's the first one we fingered it wasn't him. I mean, that we, we know of. I mean, th this is, like, as I say, this is um, some information that I found off Reddit. I tried to do a little bit of um, back checking. There's a, there's a very yeah. limited information about it as it is. So, and, but as I say, I first found it on Reddit, uh, went to the, the story. There's a few newspaper clippings, one of which I showed you the picture of. Um, oh, yeah, you did. That, yeah, that yeah. Was, that was showing in one of the pictures of who's, that was Scott, I, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. It's on screen now, that one is. Is it? That one? Yeah. Quite there. one. Pointing the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, missing persons and false imprisonment, that's that's what we love on this podcast. It's an infuriating one, that is, but good. Don't get me wrong, it's a good story. It's annoying. Those kind of ones, are just, they are really infuriating. Yeah, the absolutely. False confession. They're still trying to go after the person just because it's, you see it all the time. They're just going after the one person. They've got it in their head. It's them. If it's not mm. them, so if it's if it doesn't work out and they don't get done in court, it's just like, well, it was him still, but I just didn't get arrested for it, you know, because the jury were wrong. But we did have, we did our job, you know. <laughs> Oink. Oink. I actually like the police, which is the worst part as well. There's some good ones and there's some bad ones. It's like people. Of course. Yeah, there's definitely that's the thing that is really annoying. People make out they're all terrible. So how can yeah. they all be terrible? They're literally going to do a job where they know they're going to get some shit as well. Yeah, and definitely be in danger, and they do. You know, it's not a well-paid job either. Not the best. Not the best at all. Uh -huh. Great, pen great pension though, but not the best well-paid job. Maybe something yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying all this as well because. Um, a lot of my story revolves around the police fucking up, and it's a lot more recent. 
and okay. in uh and in England. So you know. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Nobody's Priority Clothing is available right now via Facebook and Teesprung.com. Use promo KD Promo to receive 25% off. That's KD Promo with zeros for the O's. But remember, that zeros in the place of the O's. I re I've repeated that twice. Help support the channel by buying some sexy ass clothes today. KD and Kersey merchandise coming soon. Nobody's Priority Clothing is sponsoring the KD and Kersey podcast. They have a multitude of clothing with various designs that scream creativity. And unlike some of the people in my story later, they don't shout, I'm a chaff bitch. One, one kind of is actually. I'm going to have to cut somebody to say. But Nobody's Priority Clothing, available via Facebook and teespring.com. Use promo code KDPROMO now to receive a whole 25% off your order. Aaron, what was that code again? That promo code is KDPR0M0. It's not O's, it's zeros. Make sure you do it. You get 25% off because we just kind of give you the best deal at KD and Kersey. That was the worst one, yes. <laughs> Right then, but it's my turn now, isn't it? Indeed, indeed, sir. I'm looking okay. forward to to uh, to this. Uh, I wouldn't oh. look forward to it too much. Well, you know what I'm saying. I know what you <laughs> There's a particular reason I um, covered this story. It's because okay. I actually. Um, what day are we now? Um, so it's Thursday now. Yeah, Thursday now. It's um, Monday. It's Monday. It's Monday oh. now. It's Monday now. So last. Monday and Tuesday, I believe it was, there was a two-part drama special on ITV called Honor, and yep. I watched this. Okay. Did you watch it? I did not. My mum has told me about, about Okay, good, good, good. Weird. So this is um, based on that because I watched this, uh, read into it, found out how much was real, how much of it was legit. So mm -hmm. this is the story of the Honor killing of Banaz Mahmood. And it's surprisingly not covered very much on YouTube. There's not that much about it at all. This is what, what I found strange. My mum was talking to me about it, and it's something I've never heard about before, but sounds like something I'd watch, and she'd watched it. Yeah. Like, and it's, re it's like, quite recent as well, and it's all yeah. um, it's also involves Birmingham and South London, so, you know, ah, our okay. area. Cool. Yeah. So let's begin then. The family lived in the same area of South London as... Oh, sorry, you're gone. <laughs> I don't know why I skipped the paragraph then. Start again. <laughs> the Mahmoods were a strictly traditional Kurdish family from Kualadiza in Iraqi Kurdistan. Mahmoud, Mah Mahmoud, Mahmoud, a name so nice you said it twice, and his <laughs> wife Bea had six children and sought asylum in the UK in 1994 when Banaz Mahmoud was 10. The family lived in the same area of South London as Mahmoud Mahmoud's four brothers, including Banaz's uncle. Ari Mahmood, um, who was Mahmood Mahmood's younger brother, but was considered the head of the Mahmood family. You're going to hear Mahmood a lot in this. That hurt, that did. <laughs> in 2002, Banaz's older sister, Bekal Mahmood, who was two years older than Banaz, fled the family home after she said she was being abused by her family and forced into a marriage she didn't want to take part in. So she left. Yep, fair. Uh, she spent some time in foster care and eventually lived in hiding, never leaving her house without wearing a full veil, as she later stated to the police that her father had threatened to kill her. So she wasn't, um, like they're a Muslim family, but she wasn't a practiced Muslim. She right, pretty okay. much announced the faith for this. Yeah. Well, just not a full devote, 
Muslim by the sounds of it. So yeah. she wasn't wearing a hijab for religious reasons, just mm-hmm. purely to hide her identity from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mahmoud's inability to control his older daughter's actions were viewed as a weakness in the Kurdish community. Something he did not in any way want to repeat it again. So that was what happened in the past with um, Benaz's older sister. Mm. But now on to Benaz. At the age of 16, Bamaz Mahmoud was also forced into an, into an arranged marriage with a man from their homeland of Kualadiza. Bamaz would describe him as being 10 years older, illiterate, and having an old-fashioned mindset akin to someone from, and, and I quote, 50 years ago, as she put it. Mm. She would actually come into contact many times with the police during her marriage, accusing her husband of rape and physical abuse on multiple occasions. Oh, Okay. And that brings me on to the first video because we have still, there's not that, considering she has quite a few contacts with the police, there's very, I find it really strange. There's mm. only one video of all of the interviews. Like, this is the only video footage of any of the interviews I could find. Yeah, yeah. Which is strange. I was just 17 there. Some of the times it was in the living room that he raped me, or in the bedroom. I was only 17, so I just let him do what he liked. Whenever he raped me, it was like I was his shoot and he would wear it. Just whenever he, he felt like it. And because he had kicked me so much, like, in the head, my lips were bleeding, my ears were bleeding. Um, from then, I couldn't remember things so good, like... When he kicked my head in, that really affected me. Like, now I've got a loss of memory. I can't remember things. And most of the times when I'm cleaning my ears, it bleeds. Yeah, no, that's that's bad. How old is she? Do you know how old she is at that point? That was um, 2005, so I believe she would have been around... I think it was around 19, actually, looking at the timeline oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have been 1920, because most of it happened during that time. So Yeah. So. Um, but the worst part about that is the fleas were ignored by not only the police, but her own family as well. Um, she was simply told that leaving her husband, by her family, she was told that leaving her husband would bring shame on their family. So, obviously, a lot of this is going to cover the um, archaic, traditional views of, um, a lot of religions, not just this, these are a Muslim family, but it's not just yeah. Muslims. Um, a lot of the old, you know, like Christianity, not so much now, but it's still mm-hmm. very prevalent back in the day, even like 50 years ago, and in America too. Yeah, definitely. But, um, but obviously, with um, Muslim uh, Islam faith, you know, it's the oldest religion as well. So there's loads of people, it's such a big religion too. There's loads of people that still look at this in the old archaic manner. Um, <clears throat> That's the thing, there, you know, like uh, Catholicism, that's like been um, adapting, like, you know, the the Pope keeps talking about, like, now he allows um, women in, he's okay with gay people, stuff like that, you know, it's good, it's cool. But See, it is developing, but it's still like, yeah, yeah isn't it? there's, there's not been that much like that in regards to the Muslim yeah. yeah. that's supposed to be the true word of God, so, yeah. Um, there's not much, but there's still because it's so big. There's loads of different sects as well of Muslim, yep. and they do call them just certain tribes as well, which will play into it in a moment too. Um, 
But carrying on from there then, mm -hmm. uh, so they're all ign ignored. Despite this though, Banaz left her husband and returned to the family home in July 2005 and later divorced him. She managed to get a divorce from him and everything. Brilliant. Which surprisingly doesn't seem to be the main reason for what happens next. She would however then um, soon fall in love and start a relationship with a man called Ramet Soleimani. Um, yeah. I believe he was an Iranian Kurdish, mm -hmm. different tribe. Fearing for her safety, Benaz went to the police, stating that her uncle had threatened to kill her and her boyfriend, Ramit, sometime shortly after the 2nd of December 2005. So this was about two months after that video we just saw. Oh, yeah. yep. um, on December 12th, she would deliver a letter to the Wimbledon police station, which named the people that she believed were trying to kill her and Ramat. Both times, the police ignored it completely, or she was just chatting on. On New Year's Eve, the police were called to a cafe in Wimbledon where Banaz had appeared in a distress in a distress state. She was drunk, in shock, and had lacerations all over her hand. She says her father forced her to drink alcohol and then tried to strangle her to death, but she managed to escape by smashing a window. There is no footage of that I could find. I feel like there mm -hmm. might be somewhere, but there's no footage of that interview from the police. But there is footage of her later on, I believe it is, um, in the hospital room where she's okay. telling it to um, to her husband, her uh, husband, her boyfriend, Ramat. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is covered by CNN, I believe it is. So a bit yeah. of a, but let's just have a look at this. Then. Yeah. In this cell phone video, the story just pours out of Banaz Mahmoud, and so does her panic and fear. As her boyfriend records it all, Banaz lays on a hospital bed, describing what she herself still couldn't believe. It was New Year's Eve 2005 in London, and Banaz's father, an Iraqi Kurd and devout Muslim, told her to grab her suitcase and go with him to her grandmother's. There, she was forced to drink alcohol to prep her for what was to come. She says, I finished the drink, I finished all of it, and then he got up, she says, and left the room. Banaz says when he came back, armed with surgical gloves, she was sure he would try to kill her. She ran from her grandmother's house, smashed a window, hysterical, as she called for help. She ended up in hospital that night, her boyfriend at her side, as she told police the whole story. Her family wanted her dead. Oh, that's dreadful. That mm -hmm. oh. Bad parents in 101. <laughs> that's, that's just, yeah, that's putting it very, very mildly, Aaron. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Okay, then. So, um, yeah, so after that, then, however, the policewoman that interviewed her did not believe Benaz and described her as manipulative and melodramatic, going so far as to recommend charges of criminal damage for the window she broke during her escape. Come on. I know. It's fucking ridiculous. Stop it. Um, I think there was some racism involved in this somewhere. Yeah. Something, please. Yeah. I do think so. Um, on 22nd of January, an attempt at kidnapping Ramat was attempted but failed. Ramat and Banaz reported this to police separately, and Banaz was supposed to return to the police station on the 24th of January. Unfortunately, she never arrived. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I kind of know where this one's going. You can kind of tell she was never seen again, basically. Uh, that way. I might as well just say it at this point, yeah. How's it feeling so far? Um, just 
just feeling sorry for the poor girl. Like she seemed like such a sweet young girl, just wanting yeah. to live a life, and it's just terrible, evil, psycho father. And the family. police just failing yeah, at least, just ignoring them. They just didn't help whatsoever. Uh, gave where, a letter saying, like, you know, these guys are trying to kill me. Did you say it was naming Wim them? Was it Wimbledon? Sorry, Wimbledon was the station Wimbledon. she went to. Yeah, it was yeah. South London in general. The oh, area. Got you. Got you. The next day, Banaz Mahmood was officially reported missing by her boyfriend uh, on twenty fifth of January after he was unable to contact her for over a day and a half. However, the police still did not take the initial report seriously. You can see why this was after I watched the um, drama. Yeah, I was thinking most this can't all be real, and then finding out how much of it was real. Like, oh shit, man. Yeah. Like, I have to cover it. Right, really. And because this is the issue I have as well with a lot of why I have so many issues with religion, it's the archaic views that go behind it. The good part of it are lovely, like the charity sides mm. of it, the um empathy sides of it, the just yeah. being nice to people and all of that. But then some of it, and especially with like <clears throat> um actually I say that actually, most religions are pretty detrimental to women. Originally, some Originally, been yeah, modified more since, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so the police did not take the initial report seriously. This was due largely to the fact that the parents, Mahmoud Mahmoud and Bayem Mahmoud, portrayed themselves as an easygoing, tolerant family. They also reportedly pointed out that it was normal for Banaz to stay out overnight and insisted that she was not a missing person. And the police, uh, they made a point of this, they said, you know, okay, they always do stuff for the family, so this was the family telling them, now it's cool, chill. Yeah. So and they bought it. You know, her boyfriend Ramato, however, refused to take this and effectively harassed the police until they were forced to take it seriously. Fair well, until they're forced to start doing something at least. Yeah. Anyway. No, I was going to say, you know, he's very determined to find out what happened to his, you know, young girlfriend, and as he should be. Uh, due to this ongoing pressure from Ramat, the police took in Benazi's parents and uncle for interviews and searched their homes. During the process, various inconsistencies were discovered in their statements when compared to their original counts. Mm, so definitely. red flags were popping up at this point. They were also subjected to phone record checks, which apparently proved uh, Benazi's father, Mahmoud Mahmoud, to not be the understanding and free-thinking father he mm. made himself out to be. They make this point a lot in the documentary and in the program, yeah. um, in the documentary, in the program and another thing that I've read. But they don't really explain how. Um, it seems like just some of the texts they yeah, found were him moaning about stuff, but you know, yeah. So this, uh, this, along with the information and the names that Benaz had provided during her previous meetings with the police, enabled them to compile a missing, yeah. uh, sorry, a persons of interest list. But following this, the investigation was taken over by the Metropolitan Police Homicide and Serious Crime um, Command, which was led by Detective Chief Inspector Caroline Good, who is the main woman in the um, actual document in the ITV series. They make out like they were on it the whole time, but they didn't actually get into the into the real-life investigation until this point where it was taken over. So obviously at this point, all guns blazing, yeah, you know. Definitely. And why not? She took it. Um, she was quite new to the job, like the leader one. And she took. She very much took it to heart, the Caroline, uh, DC Caroline Good did. Yeah. We need, um, some, we need someone like that in all cases, though. 
Yeah, that's when it actually, you know, stuff gets done normally. Yeah, definitely. So she was originally working on the assumption that Bernaz was being held against her will was still alive. A search was conducted comprising of simultaneous raids being carried out all across the country, looking in any properties even slightly connected to the family or a friend of the family, anything. But there was no sign of Bernaz. They decided to call it at this point. It now turned into a murder investigation officially. I knew it was going to go down that way as soon yeah. as you were like the, like the dad had like attacked her. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is not going to go well. Uh, the following this, the decision was made to arrest Benazi's father and uncle, among various other suspects. All of the suspects were uncooperative with the police from here from here on out during the rest of their inquiries. Well, not only were the suspects uncooperative, but as was the wider Kurdish community who repeatedly attempted to thwart the investigation and protect those that are implicated. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because it goes with the, um, you know, like with, with that whole, there's a huge community and loads of them do unfortunately think in a very archaic way. Obviously, that's changing the more and more generations away from that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. just social evolution, I guess, would be the good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, one of the suspects in question was a cousin of Bazam, Mohammed right. uh, Marid Hamar. Mohammed Hamar was charged with the murder of Benaz Mahmoud on the 4th of February 2006. This was able to be done as Ramat, Benaz's boyfriend, was able to positively identify him as one of the yeah. men who attempted to kidnap him and at the same time threatened his and Benaz's life just days uh, before she disappeared. Well, well done, boyfriend. So, mm, so is, this, is this guy um, that's been arrested? Yeah. In charge? Is he a cousin? Is yeah. That, that, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Is he the son? Would it be the son of the the dad's brother, or would it be like another cousin somewhere? No, I don't. I don't believe so because he had like four brothers. So I think this is just oh, okay. a son of one of the brothers, yeah. not including oh, yeah. the story. Because obviously, we say charge. You know, it's not like he was he was in trial straight away. He was just in custody then, mm-hmm. and that turned out to be the best move they could have made. Because uh, while in custody, a request was put in to record and monitor all of Mohammed Hamal's calls. Um, uh, apparently. Okay. His lawyer, who he hated because she was female, told him this might happen and to be careful about why he says on the phone that she was a woman. He, he wouldn't listen to her. What does she know? Well, she knew a lot. Yes. Yeah, she knew a lot. Because during various calls that he made, he would be recorded bragging about his role and the role of others in the murder of Benazma Mood and the details oh. behind the disposal of the body. He directly implicated Benazi's uncle, Ari Mahmoud, and her cousins, Mohammed Saleh, Ali, Omar Hussein, and Dana Amin. Wow, um, there was a lot of people involved, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Omar Hussein and Mohammed Ali had fled to Iraq during this time. These recordings, along with the phone and car tracking records, eventually led to Benazi's remains to be found in a garden in Hansworth, Birmingham. No. <laughs> Yep, so they brought all the way down to Aaron's. Wow. Oh, poor, poor girl, man. In hand yeah. of all places. And... <laughs> yeah, because that's the important part here. <laughs> what that's part the... of the country was she buried in after being murdered? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was really insensitive of me. Um, but why, why Birmingham? Was there any connection to here or... It seems like it was something to do with a connection of someone's house. It was one of the houses when they were going all around the country. 
They mm-hmm. did go to this house. They checked the property. They oh, right. saw okay. the fridge on top of, in the back garden. They saw the fridge, which is what made them think of it later, because he described uh, the fridge okay. being placed on top of it. Right. Okay. Um, so that's how they put two and two and got to that. Uh, buried over six feet down with a suitcase that held the remains of Banasma Mood, discovered 28th of April 2006, three months after she disappeared. On May the 1st, 2006, her uncle, Avi Mahmood, was charged with murder. Her father, Mahmood Mahmood, would also be charged in August later that year. Okay, yeah, so that's pretty much as far as it goes in regards to, you know, before getting into the truth of what happened anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was discovered that on the 2nd of December 2005, a meeting was held at the home of Benazi's uncle Ari Mahmood, where it was agreed by her cousins, her uncle and her father that both should be killed for bringing shame onto the family and the community. So both would be, you know, Ramas and Benaz. Mm-hmm. Due to the fact of the divorce and the resulting new relationship with someone belonging to a different Kurdish tribe. And that, that's all it's over. Like, it's so, something so ridiculous. Yeah. Ain't your daughter? Like... Come on. You care more about the honour and how your family is perceived, apparently. Because they, like this, like they make the point a lot that this, in their country, as they say, would make them reviled as, like, they'd be doing a good thing, you know, they'd be seen as, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Um, Obviously, in the more archaic um, parts, but, yeah. Which is just messed up, which is just come from the religious side of it, which, like I said, man, it's it's hard for me not to bitch about religion when I read stuff like this. This is where... For me, yeah, fair enough. Because it's just basically brain, it's just brain control, man, to a point. That, that, you know, that point is with, um, yeah, I mean, all all power to people who want to have faith and, you know, it's, you know, entirely up to them. But when they take things to the extreme like this, just because it's a different type of, I don't know, the the cultures are very different. and wasn't going to be accepted. You don't go out killing your daughter for that, do you? Oh, I wouldn't. Well, no. no, funny enough, we're normal people. <laughs> I mean, I, I suppose it would be the same though if um, you know, the daughter turned out to be gay. You know, that would have been the yeah, same yeah. same situation, yeah. unfortunately. Um and if you got with like a woman and made yeah. a point of it as well with shame and all that, it's like, yeah, it's just ridiculous, man. Yeah, so absolutely. It's a weird, diff- it shows a different level of thinking in different parts of the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, like you said, not all religious people at all think like this. A lot of religious, all the most, all the religious people I've met, like the majority of them, have been the most lovely people ever. Yeah. Um, although they are all technically selfish, there is no such thing as a religious person doing a unselfish good deed because everything they do is to get them into heaven. So nothing is unselfish. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, Ramat testified um, against the Mahmoods despite the threats from the Kurdish community and was even taken into the witness protection program um, before the trial that was, he was taken in and after. Mm -hmm. Benazi's sister also testified in court against her family but hid her face behind a screen in court in fear of retaliation by the Kurdish community. So she wore a hijab there as well to cover her up and then once she got on on thingy, she lifted the veil up, I guess, also making the point, you know, I'm not wearing this for religious reason. I'm doing it because I'm trying to protect my identity. I've just got visions of Vincent Man in my mind right now. <laughs> oh, I'm the higher power. Yeah. It was me, my It was me, my mood. It was me, my mood. It was me all along. <laughs> I can't wait for the stuff to come out about Vincent Man after he uh, died. Yeah. yeah. 
that's when it all comes out, you know. It's racist, homophobic, sexist, anything. A uh, Nazi. I mean, we know a lot of stuff. We know he's very uh, abusive. It's probably oh, the best yeah. way. To... Yeah. But yeah. there's more stuff. Like, you know, we know little bits about the um, snooker murder yep. that he covered oh, yeah. up. Oh, and Scott Hall. Scott Hall as well. Yeah, he killed someone, didn't he? And he yeah, still yeah. allows him into his company. And that was, take... yeah, when he was younger, weren't it? That, yeah, this is vicious. Tried to kill Arn Anderson, I think it was a few times. Really? I I've yeah. never heard that. Never heard yeah, that. Like, they had a fight, and he went back up the one time with um, scissors or something. No, never heard Arn, that. Arn wrestled him away from him and stabbed him up a few times. And then Shit. I believe that was one of the times. Actually, I think it was WCW because then I think Sid left WCW after that. Yeah, I think yeah, there would have been WCW. Arn Anderson was would have been in WCW when Sid was there. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I keep forgetting to get into this. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So they also um, testified. So Benazi's father, uncle, and Mohammed Hamar, the one in custody originally, were all found guilty of murder, among other lesser charges. The father, uh, Mahmoud Mahmoud, was sentenced to life with a minimum of twenty years. Uncle Ari was life with a minimum of 23 years. Mohammed Hamar was life with a minimum of 17 years. Her cousin, Dana Amin, the one we mentioned, was given yep. eight years for lesser charges, including perverting the course, the court of law and preventing the victim's lawful burial uh, because he, from what I gathered, the main thing he did was he supplied the car and transported her to Birmingham. Right, got you. Probably helped to bury her too. Both her cousins who were involved... Uh, Mohammed Sali Ali and Omar Hussein had fled to Iraqi Kurdistan after the murder, like we said. In October 2007, Scotland Yard were notified that uh, Mohammed Ali was in custody in Sulaimani, in Sulaiman, somewhere where he <laughs> killed a teenage boy. <laughs> he did so well up until that point, it just made me laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, Sulaimania, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, He'd killed a teenage boy in a hit and run incident, so he'd killed another guy now. Okay. Shockingly, he was extradited in June 2009 in what was was the first ever extradition from Iraq to the United Kingdom, a move described by DCI Good as making legal history. He was also found guilty of the murder of Benaz Mahmoud um, and sentenced to life with a minimum of 22 years. So they got him from Iraq, man. It's crazy. Never happened before. Yeah. But more, yes. Hussein, the other one in Iraq, had been hiding out in a remote area of Iraq, shielded by his brothers, one of whom was Peshmerga, and the other a member of the As- As- a member of the Asayish security services. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that one. During a dispute with one of his brothers in December 2009, he was actually shot in the leg and was duly arrested when he presented himself at the hospital because by this point they were already aware of him because of the last one. Yeah. Uh, but he insisted that he wasn't actually in the United Kingdom at the time that Benaz was murdered and it was a case of mistaken identity. Okay. However, however, UK welfare benefits... Re- however, UK welfare benefit records and photographic evidence from a previous arrest proved otherwise... And he, otherwise, and he was also extradited in March 2010. Oh. He would also be found guilty of Benazi's murder and sentenced to life with a minimum of 21 years. Random cool. number. Yeah. I don't know how they come up with these. Like the 17, yeah. that one didn't actually kill her, but the other one was like. Yeah, and then the other one got 21, uh, 20 as well, didn't Was it the dad? The, one, the, the dad got 22. The, um, yeah. 
The one who got the most was Uncle Arby with 23. Yeah, 23, that's it. Like, that's, I hate odd numbers, man. That's that's not good for me. <laughs> I like odd numbers. 23 is my number, too. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. One on a 23rd watch, man. Oh, yeah. So, a little bit left on the end of this. Go for it. A little side bit. So, Benazi's boyfriend, Ramat, um, actually struggled to adjust to his new life and the isolative nature of the witness protection program and seemingly never recorded, recovered from the loss of Banas as he actually mm. took his own life in 2016. Oh man, that sucks. Mm. But referring to him as one of the two real heroes in the case, DCI mm. Caroline Good said without him, he wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even known that Banas was even missing. He yep. risked his life to go up against his whole community and in doing so, he gave up everything and everyone he knew. So, as a nice little mm-hmm. quote there, it's making the yeah. point that he basically gave up his life to make sure that Bernard Sue. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they could have come for him like at any time as well, couldn't they? You know, they'd already tried yeah, to. Um, um, yeah, so, you know, they already took his girlfriend, they tried with him. They could have come back at any point. They were, they seemed powerful enough and had enough force behind them. And well, it's mean, the community, yeah. Yeah. the whole community, just not the whole community. Obviously, you assume it wouldn't be the whole community, but yeah. a lot of the elder males, especially, and mm. then the male side of the community do think like that. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. it's more, hopefully, it's evolving. People that I know that are Muslim don't think like that, yeah. younger people. So hopefully, that's changing. And was but, he still in? Was he still in the? Sorry, was he still in the UK at this point as well? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, he stayed in the UK. Yeah. Benaz was laid to rest at Merton and Sutton Joint Cemetery Morden. Her family left her grave unmarked. There was actually a messed up story about the funeral in general. I'm not going to get into it now because it's a bit weird. Um, But on the 26th of June 2007, a memorial service was held for Benaz at Morden Assembly Hall, following which a granite memorial headstone was placed at a grave site. Her family did not attend these services. The purchase of the gravestone was arranged by the Iranian and Kurdish women's rights organization, police officers, and even the lead prosecutor, Nazir Afzal, who was among the people that contributed. Mm. So she's got a nice gravestone now. It's how they end the, um, the drama. So it's mm. a nice little ending, I think, to that. Yeah, definitely. So, on the top. Yeah. But that's the yeah, the honor killing, or the so-called honor killing. Uh, yeah. I like I like the title of it now. It makes so much more sense. My mum did explain a little bit to me, but she I always tell her not to explain stuff too much because she goes into it and then like she gives away the endings and stuff. I'm just like, yeah. oh, stop, stop. Let me find out for myself. I mean, I, I would still recommend watching it because it's a good yeah. watch. And like the woman that has to play Bernard looks quite like uh, uh, some of the the people that play the dad and stuff look so much like him. It's crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, we love uh, the actors. They've done a really good job of the casting. No, that's brilliant. I'm like, I, regardless of you talking to me, this I've got to watch it anyway. So I, yeah. it's it's piqued my interest even more now. So thank you. Cool, but I think we are done again, man. That's another episode all done. These are flying by sometimes, man. Ten, ten weeks, and I haven't been a part of two of them. I feel a bit naughty, <laughs> but I, uh... it's a week eight for you. But that's not the point. <laughs> I know. Never mind. Eight weeks is still good, though. Um, one one thing while I've got you, uh, we were speaking about um, um, TV shows about real life. Did you see the um, the Rock one? Is being produced. I think it's. Oh, I can't think of it. It might be NBC or someone like that are producing um, the times and life of the Rock from when he was yeah. a young boy to 
to training with his dad, Rocky Johnson, and like Peter Maivia. Yeah, man, it's um, oh. I well, think like, a, like a drama kind of thing. Yeah, like, like a com- comedy drama, a dramedy. Yeah, yeah. No. I wonder if I'll go into like the original like Die Rocky Die thing and all that. That I think there is someone playing like a young adult version of the rock so yeah, i think yeah. there's a, a young like a child rock um obviously there will probably be a baby one then a, yeah. a toddler or you know or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're hired um and then there's like a 15 year old rock and then there's like a, i think you might be one in his 20s so the rock yeah. was like what 22 23 when he joined wwf so uh. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Like, so, when he made his like TV debut, anyway. Yeah, not ninety five, yeah. wasn't it? So, yeah, twenty three. I think it would have been. So, did you clock onto that during the Stone Cold session with Kurt Angle when he talked about how, um, you know, when he was originally doing his vignettes about yeah. you know like being all cheesy and over the top, he yeah. got that idea from how badly it went in the Die Rocky Die thing. Yeah. So this time, Purposely made the heel for me. I like that was cool. did it really well. And like he was like so complimentary to Austin. I was just like, this is yeah. this is weird. I wouldn't have thought of him like like that. And he was like, I just wanted to be a, a badass like Stone Cold. And like looking at oh Cat, yeah, and, that was and weird, yeah. back then. I was just like, no. But yeah. he, he did he did I, make I, a point. He, I think like, he made the right choice though with all of this. How he oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, that's the thing that, that brings me to what I was going to say because um, he was saying like how. When we were kids, like 10, 11, when Ang was around uh, yeah. in his first run, um, we all hated him. We thought he was like a crybaby, um, horrible heel. But then as we got older, we like respected what he like, did yeah. for like, I suppose, the business and stuff. And, and he, he turned face a few times as well. He did yeah. so much in the first year and a half. You couldn't help yeah. him. Yeah. dude? It's ridiculous. Um, but I, I watched a lot of 2000. Well, I watched all the pay per views in 2001, and like you can just see the progression as it like gets better for Angle. So yeah. it was pretty cool to see. So he's just looking so, just looking so old and frail now. It's really horrible to see. Yeah, but to be fair, I thought he looked quite good in the thing. Like he looked better mm. than, I mean, when he wrestled his last match against like Corbin and that. Like for the, since he came back as GM and you know, he was saying yeah. that where he needed, um, yeah. He wanted so I think they made the right choice again because yeah. every time he saw Angle, he's like he he, he couldn't stand upright. Like you know, yeah. his legs always had to be bent. Yeah, he just couldn't so move around. Yeah, yeah, I just I didn't want to see it. And some of the times you did see him do stuff, it, it looked like he almost hurt himself, and yeah. it was just worrying as hell to watch him wrestle for me. It was. And I was about to say, I, I realized I was going back into modern wrestling. Like you still haven't really been watching it, have you lately? Again, I, I watched. Um, what was the last pay per view? What was it called? Uh, Clash of Champions. Yeah, that one. I watched that yeah. one. That was yeah. good, wasn't it? Actually, it was all right. I liked. Yeah. I liked the um, Roman Reigns match. I mean, again, there yeah. should have been a bit more to it. And but I love Roman Reigns as a heel. So I, it went on a bit longer than I was expecting it to. But I think yeah. that had to do with the um, Street Profits having to call off their match because Finger yeah. getting injured. Yeah. Um, which one was Gaza. it? An- Angle Gaza. Yeah. yeah. Not good. Gaza. I really like him, but now he got yeah. injured. Yeah. Shame. Shame. I completely missed that match, like because it was as it was going on, I was doing something and I was yeah. like, I'm gonna watch it, but I've seen this over and over again and it's not gonna yeah. end yet. It's one of them who just suddenly heard it end and I was like, Wait, what? What? It 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 was over so quick. I think I was yeah. doing something myself and um I just turned and it would it and I saw the kick out as well and I was like, What's going on? And yeah, it, it was the same referee that messed up uh the triple threat match at Mania a few a couple of years back with um well last year. Oh, yeah. That was that was so dreadful, that was. With the the women's match, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, it could have been really good. And I was doing it wrong. It was good, sorry. But the whole, I, I can't remember that well whether it was good the whole way through. But think, the ending fell apart, man. Yeah. The ending was like a backslide, wasn't it? And it, yeah. And she had a shoulder up. Yeah. That's it. That's it. it, was, it there's a lot of debate as well whether it was the referee's fault or whether it was Wanda's fault. Yeah. Probably Wanda. I, yeah. I reckon so. I wouldn't be surprised she did it on purpose, to be honest, because she yeah, is that kind of person. She is. It's nice. Does not look take it. Stuff well. No, she does not. <laughs> she could probably got like offended when they started booing her the one time. It's like, it's yeah, and come on, he's gonna go with it, Ronda. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that Jimmy, um, was it Jimmy or Jay? I feel like I can't remember now which one it was. Uh, it would have been, uh, um, Jay. Jay was yeah. the Jimmy's the one that's out, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really good. Um, at the end of it as well, it was like fucking. You know, like, I was proper like it's one of the times when you forget it's all like a work and that you know, know yeah. you're, like, you're gonna fucking kill him, stuff. I know. Just hit I know. In the, head. <laughs> so, the ambulance yeah. man was a bunch of shit. So. Yeah, I feel like um, yeah, it was a bit of a waste of time. I was looking forward to it as well. I like yeah, I, I like um, gimmick matches. Yeah. Not my favorite gimmick match. The best ambulance ma- ambulance match ever was Kane versus Shane man. Yeah, wasn't that? Did someone get Survivor Series? Is it? I know it's in two thousand and three. Though I'm sure it was. It was Unforgiven. Unforgiven or Survivor Series? I think it was, but it was an ambulance match. I remember it being really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets. I mean, especially to that. There was one where the God. No, I was just going to say, did he get choke slammed through like the ambulance or something? I can't. That's what I was remembering. Yeah, yeah. I think it was something like that. And he got his balls electrocuted in the <laughs> in the build up. Yeah, yeah. There was also um, Kane tried to throw him into some big bin or something, but yeah, um, he got Kane in there and then he blew That's up fire or something. something like that. Yeah, if I remember rightly. Yeah, and Kane was going crazy. He was set by the JR at one point, didn't he? Yeah, and uh, Tombstone Linda McMahon. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's what that's why Shane McMahon was like my mother. About that, but yeah, the ambulance master from before was the fact that he needed like four people to help him win. Apparently, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I think it was just a bit of like retribution, though, isn't it? From them, you know, retribution. <sighs> T bar. <laughs> they were not there. Uh, they were ill. They got COVID. Yeah, yeah. or been close to someone that got this. <laughs> That's actually what it is. Apparently, they've come in contact. Yeah, that's right. Negative, apparently. Yeah, that's right. I heard that as well. But, but um, yeah, man, we haven't got like an actual sign off, have we? No. Here yeah. we Well, thanks so much for listening and watching, folks. And we'll see. Thank you. Soon. you. Yeah. Fuck that. See you. <laughs> I did no, thank you. Aaron, thank you as always, everyone watching as well. Thank you as always, you sexy bastard. You're the ones we do it for, and you make it so we can do this. So thank you very much. All right, man. Awesome. Cool. All right, dude. I'll see you soon. Take care, my man. Take it easy, bud. See you soon. Peace.